some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, we're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Glad to be back with you for your Friday. Hopefully now that fall is officially starting to sanction in, we're maybe going to get some sweater weather. That's what I want. I want some hoodies and some sweaters as quickly as possible. Uh, but excited to be back with you. Thanks to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group. How are you doing? I am great. After weeks of depressing news at the start of this podcast, we begin with smuckers buying ding-dongs. I mean, that's a sentence I never thought I would hear in my lifetime. (laughs) Talk about a market on this. J.M. Smucker, the maker of all the jellies, of course, Jif peanut butter, which, by the way, is superior. And Uncrustables, which, by the way, are super yummy, are Mm. taking over Hostess brands, Twinkies, Ho-Hos, and Ding Dongs. Oh, we're so happy. And guess what? It's a 5.6, not million, but billion-dollar deal. See, I love that. And I love, too, because it's at the time where we are in a when we live in a day and age where TikTok recipes take over, where people are putting like, you know, crustables, they're frying them or they're making them like French toast. And, you know, and it's like I never would have thought to be that creative in the kitchen. Like it's it comes out of the wrapper. You eat it like that's it. So we the, the the marriage of all of these brands helps us to just continue to feed that perpetual recipe again and again. <laughs> I just think it's so bizarre. And you know, that's the king of junk food when you are the owner of all that, of all mm-hmm. that is. I mean, I think Twinkies can are like McDonald's. You could come back four years later, it's lying on the counter and it would be in perfect condition. Sure. No, absolutely. There's <laughs> so many preservatives in it. That's that's why we look better than, you know, people that are our age from when we were little, because we're all, we've got all those preservatives inside of us. Yeah. So we're like a McDonald's French fry. You can eat us in, you know, weeks from now and we're still, you know, still the same. Didn't shrink. <laughs> I had lots of Twinkies in my lunchbox. I will admit that. Miss about what it really means to be a man. And we look at the biblical aspects of being a man. You know, we hear from society, be strong, be tough, don't cry, try your best, be responsible, get a job, don't hit girls, protect, all this tough guy stuff, play sports, work on cars, fix things around the house, be smooth with the ladies, stand up for what is right, hold your liquor and have a cool car, right? That used to be what a man was. But I'm grateful times have changed. Now, and and you can can correct me on this if, if you need to, Ace, now modern men, can express their emotions, can express their vulnerability, can be nurturing caregivers, are very engaged in parenting. I mean, my dad, we were lucky if he showed up. Now, dads are involved in every aspect of kids, and it's changed in household responsibilities. My dad didn't do any of that. Now men are right in there making it happen. 
we have seen a lot of changes, and we're going to get to what it means, what biblical manhood means, but I, I want to get your take on that. Obviously, I'm not a dude. <laughs> well, and, you know, <laughs> as a dad, as a husband, I, I will say— you know, I grew up in that same mindset. My dad, you know, he worked and, and, you know, and even to this day, he's like, you know, I'm sorry I wasn't around. It's like, dad, you were taking care of the family. I didn't think I was missing out on anything. You were doing what you thought was your God given duty, which was to work and, you know, bring home the bacon. But I will say, I love two things about this in proof of the sense of the sensitivity that men now can be is that you can be open and vulnerable and, and, and it's not seen as a sissy. But also, I am also manly enough to know that if I can't fix a car or if I can't repair a bathroom floor or tile or I can't, you know, whatever, I can, I will do the things that I can. If it's not my monkeys, not my circus, I'll bring somebody in who can do it and then go, look at the good job they did. And then I will applaud them because it gives me my time and my sanity back. Amen. So what does biblical manhood look, look like? Accepting responsibility. I think that's super important, not just for men, but for women. When we blame others for things in life, it, it leads nowhere. We're responsible for ourselves and our lives and to lead courageously. And being a servant leader, much like Jesus, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about this when it comes to marriage, that a man loves his wife like Christ loves the church. And I would hear that and wonder, what does that mean? When a woman has a man that loves her with Christ's love and he hears from God, there is a safety and a happiness and a joy and a completion in us as the wife that is indescribable, the trust. Mm -hmm. And so leadership, yes, Wayne leads us, but he leads us biblically. Yeah. And that, to me, is being a husband and being a godly man when God is first and when he's committed to making sure we don't get off track about worship in our discussions, in our focus. Yeah. And I, you know, and now with adult daughters, I, you know, I tell them, you know, when they started the relationships they still have with their boyfriends, I'm like, do they treat you right? And do they love Jesus? Like those are the two main things because I can't always be there. And I feel like I've shaped and tried to model. Hopefully you might not admit that you're looking for some things that are like your dad, but I've spent some time with these boys and there are some things that we connect with and they're both, and I can see the looks on my daughter's faces are like, crap we're dating dad <laughs> you know like I, I i see it and they don't they won't say it and i'm not going to point it out but it it's no it's the natural way when you do it the way god intends i mean set that tone what kind of message are you sending to your kids of the kind of man that you want your sons to be and the kind of man you want your daughters to date like set that example and let it be at the heart of who you are with christ Leading your family with values, and that's what our friend Turin Newell does at Birmingham Mortgage Group. Oh, my goodness, this guy loves God and loves people. Is crazy about—listen, his wife, Andrea, is brilliant and gorgeous. Yep. He's got the cutest kids ever. And he gets with you—and we're talking mortgages now. Placing God first, he prays with you, and he, he's just—he digs in— and comes up with a way to make it happen for you. He yeah. believes in you, and he works so hard. 
Yeah. And I love the fact that he mentioned like programs to my wife and I that like, what is that? Like in, in all the houses I've owned in my lifetime and mortgages I've had, he was coming. I was like, man, are you like Willy Wonka? Are you like creating these things <laughs> out of thin air? He's like, no, this is a real program that can save you. So find out about the savings, find out about the great deals and offers that he can get you. If you call him today, you can do so at 205-259-1656 or just go to behammortgage.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Our favorite part of our podcast is when we get to talk to fascinating people that God allows us to get to know even better. We have a friend with us tonight that is truly extraordinary. I mean, you want to talk about a powerhouse speaker. She's an author. She's a mentor. She can go into your business and train folks on how to be strategic, how to be successful. You can hire her to do that. And she's really super funny. I mean, if you need a comedian that's clean, that's going to light up the room, (laughs) here she is. Her testimony is fascinating. She shared it. I want her, if she's willing to do that here, we welcome to the show, the Queen of Flight. That's her website, queenofflight.com. You have got to go see her. She's so cute. Website. Oh, we welcome to the show Stephanie Bird. Thank you guys for having me. (laughs) So, Stephanie, we've known you for a while, but for those that are meeting you for the first time, what is that motivator from your own personal story that drives you to where you are in ministry as an author, as a speaker, as an encourager? What 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 is it that is always? I know. And they've done that, burn the t-shirt. <laughs> uh, it is. So honestly, the moment that I accepted the crown that God had been trying to place on my head since I was born, it literally served as a trajectory for the course of my life. And I literally wanted to spend every moment moving forward, making as many people as I could encounter feel that exact same thing. There is nothing that I've encountered that can counter the feeling of knowing that you are the heir of the most high God. And I don't know how else to put that. It just, it literally drives me every day with parenthood, uh, with being a wife, a mom, even in my nine to five, just everything. Just, I just want to feel that feeling all the time of just knowing that, Hey, I'm the King's kid. You, you can't talk to me any kind of way. I can't talk to you any kind of way because <laughs> of who, who's I am and what we represent. And it just, I wear it as a badge of honor every day. But Stephanie, it didn't start out that way. So it take us not. back to you, your childhood, if you would. I will. So I was born what is considered a safe haven baby. What that means is that my biological mom left me in the care of the hospital nurses when I was born. So I was born in Jersey City in the mid to late 80s. Put that together. okay? so (laughs) um, I actually I was in foster care for about a year and a half, two years of my life. And I actually got adopted. And a lot of times people are like, yes, adoption. Why you want to give a loving child a home? In this case, however, it wasn't the best place for me. It was actually an abusive situation. So I ended up going back into foster care where I stayed until I was age 21, because that's like the that's like the limit. That's as long as you can stay. Uh, and a lot of identity crisis, tons of uh, dealing with the spirit of rejection, a lot that actually 
was my outfit the vast majority into my adult life. I couldn't figure out, you know, who's am I? Who I don't have family. I don't feel connected to anyone. I just, I, I'm just here. I, I dealt with that a lot. And a lot of times the enemy still tries to remind me of that. Um, and I just have to show him my crown. Hmm. But you had something pretty amazing happen in your 30s. Tell us what happened. With, okay, give me an extra hand. I did a lot so, of stuff. I had babies. Sorry, 30s was a long time. But in in your official adoption, like being having a mother to lean on as an adult when you didn't have that as a child. Talk a little bit about that. So I, I found out I was adopted as a fluke. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I, I wasn't, I was never supposed to find out that I was mm. adopted. It was like someone was talking too much in the family and I found out. Yeah. So when that came out, my, my adoptive mom, she told me, she said, well, I never wanted kids. And the only reason that I adopted you is because my mom told me that it didn't look right for me to have to be single in my thirties. She was in her thirties when she adopted me. And so her mom, but she didn't do it out of love or because she wanted to give a kid a loving home. She did it to appease her mom who was also spewing rejection and hate on her things. I understand now as an adult, but didn't then. So the whole premise of her getting me was just, it wasn't even, it wasn't founded in anything righteous. It was because someone else told her it didn't look right for her to be childless. And that also, I, I, I still think about that. Like one, how do you have the guts to tell a kid that? Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I wouldn't just say that to like a nine-year-old, but sure. um, if you think about it, that is, I don't know. That's just something that's always just weighed so heavy on me. Right. Like you, you didn't even get me because you wanted me. And I used to joke all the time and say, well, you had the receipt. Why wouldn't you just, you know, like return to sender? I understand now that it was part of a plan way bigger than mine, but that was really, that I think really was holding hand in hand with that spirit of offense and rejection. Stephanie, talk more about how you've been able to overcome, and you say you still struggle with it a bit, this rejection, because it's a theme for a lot of people. It's what a lot of people have been through with parents and 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 with spouses, with siblings, that you're you're just abandoned and rejected. And there's so much hurt in this world. And I know scripture talks about us being a royal priesthood, that we're adopted into God's family, which means we're a princess. You talk about that crown, the royal mentality. Tell me how the Lord has been able to help you with this rejection that has been first and foremost in your life. Listen, so the word tells us that we overcome by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the lamb, but also by the word of our testimony. So we have to be willing to tell the enemy, listen, this is not new news that you are bringing to me. Because a lot of times, if not all the time, the enemy just consistently replays information, right? He's not omnipresent. He's not a living God. So he can't be everywhere at the same time. He's not omniscient. He's not all knowing. So all he has is what he had, the information that he had, even if it's old information. 
So that continually playing like, well, even now, for example, like this is 23. I'm still in my thirties. Thanks, Ace. I, uh, <laughs> and my children don't have uh, on their mother's side, they don't have biological grandparents, right? That they can go and hang out with. Grandparents day was this week. We're talking about currently overcoming by the word of our testimony and the enemy will try to seep in actually he'll try to come in like a flood he doesn't seep in anywhere and try to make me feel like ah oh, man you too bad you don't have a mom they would have had a mom for grandparents day well you know what devil those children are surrounded with so much love that they'll forget that today was grandparents day and that was honestly my prayer lord let them be surrounded with so much love and fun today that it doesn't even phase them that they didn't have grandparents there to support them and it's just it is not a destination it's a journey overcoming for i am of the belief that overcoming is a journey you have to consistently deny and replace those lies and immediately don't even let the enemy get his sentence out as soon as you start hearing things that do not line up with what god has already spoken and confirmed about you immediately snatch it down and cast it back to the pit of hell amen so you've written a book are you there god my lemonade has no sugar i think we can all identify <laughs> humor alone engages the audience but uh, where is this spark from what, what is what are you hoping people take away from this that it gets better, right? A lot of times we have to we have to play the hand that we're dealt. But the amazing part of that is because we again serve that all-knowing power for God, nothing catches him by surprise. So please know that if you find yourself with a little tart lemonade or your beverage is just a little less sweet than you'd like, sugar is on the way and his name is Jesus. <laughs> I have never heard Jesus referred to like sugar. So this is the first for me. I'm digging it. <laughs> I love that so much. Listen, you mentioned your kiddos. Stephanie, I want to talk about that. When you have a childhood that's not really ideal, I think the enemy tries to plant things in your mind that maybe you're not going to be the best parent. Maybe that hasn't happened with you. It but definitely if it has. Could you share how you deal with that. I fight so much mom guilt that it is uncanny. Um, I actually did, I was afraid to have children because I was so literally terrified to the point that it was actual tangible anxiety that I would turn out like my mother. And I could not imagine uh, making another human being have to deal with that for so long that I didn't, I didn't want kids. I didn't, you know, I wanted to be, be like the rich auntie. I just wanted to, you know, come get them on the weekends or something because I didn't want to be responsible for anyone else's just agony. And I would dare want to cause another person that much pain. Obviously the Lord had other plans and I went from living in a group home to running one. But <laughs> um, I, I think it has definitely made me a better parent, if I could say. I mean, they may have other opinions, but I'm so intentional <laughs> about making sure that they understand that they are loved. Even in my anger, I always want them to see love because that is something that was always missing. Even with the identity crises, even with the rejection spirit, I never felt as if she loved me. Even when she said it, it was just like, okay, girl, yeah, you're just saying that to check off a box. But but I always um, remain intentional about filling them up. Like even when they're sad, I'll just hug them and I'll say, can you, can you feel my love filling you up? 
Yeah. Let's do. And we do feel it, by the way. Um, so yes. talk a little bit about what you do as a consultant. Like how how are you helping and giving back now as God is called? So foster care is like one of my main chambers of my heart, always will be. Um, and what I found, I want to choose my words carefully here. <laughs> what I found to be a common denominator when I was in foster care is that everybody wanted your story, right? And and I get it. That drives donations. That helps us to reach our bottom line. But I noticed what was happening is that so many people were asking these young people to tell their stories and they had not yet healed from them. And so they were unopening that trauma box all over again every time. So after these events, the kids are literally dealing with trauma. Like I've witnessed it. Kids are actually breaking down, having to relive all this stuff for a conference, for a speaking engagement. And so I vowed that I would empower young people to tell their story from a perspective that does not cause them to have to relive that. And that you can, you change the narrative because you are empowered, you gain control of your story and you don't let anybody take that from you. And so we focus on how to tell, um, your story from a perspective that reaches the masses, but does not cause you to have to have 17 counseling sessions. I also, um, I'm extremely creative. So uh, businesses and nonprofits contact me when they want to reach kids and need fresh and fun ways to do that. And I'm always willing and available. Queen of Flight, what, how did you come up with that? What does it mean to you? So your girl is going to help you take off. Okay. So <laughs> I am extremely gifted and I don't say this arrogantly. I boast in God, but uh, God has truly blessed me with the gift of the aha moment for people. Um, I, it came because actually my friend dubbed me that name uh, because I would just always have creative ideas. People would uh, be like, there's a girl now she lives in Arizona and she wanted to open like a boutique up, but she didn't know which way to go. And I was like, you should name it cacti couture and it's thriving and so i've always just been <laughs> blessed with that creative uh, measure and so it helps people to have that takeoff moment of oh i get this and they can run with it because the bible tells us right you write the vision you make it plain so when you get it you can run as fast as you can and i'm going to help you take off and i'm just the queen at doing that i love that <laughs> Stephanie, before we let you go, what would you say in encouraging? Already? I know the time flies. It's, <laughs> we could spend weeks uh, together. But what would you say to someone who is still struggling to encourage that inner child because they don't feel like they've heard from God or don't have that relationship? But but you've had a chance to see where God had his hand in your life through even the worst of situations. What do you say to that person today? Well, the first two words that fell in my spirit were look again. A lot of times we are looking through a, a one tunnel lens of the one lens that's only showing our pain. It's only showing where we currently are. And so I would challenge them to look again. And when you look again, you'll see a loving savior with his arms open wide, willing and ready to make that exchange because the Bible says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So he wants to exchange your heaviness for his completely empty and available to care yoke. So just look again so you can see that. Stephanie Bird, you are astounding. We adore you. Queenofflight.com for more information. If you need coaching, mentoring, somebody who can just come in and be a fabulous public speaker, comedian, 
she's just extraordinary. We wish you the best and congratulations on being at Highlands College. Thank That's you so exciting. Please pray for him. Pray. These people, listen, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> They probably, I want like, to be easy. They're going to talk about defense. <laughs> it's going to be like Sunday school magnified. Girl, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's serious study. It's an accredited college, and, and uh, they get after it from what I hear. But uh, you will succeed at that like you have everything else in life. A beautiful mom and wife and and uh, such a lovely person. We're so thankful you were able to join us. Oh my gosh, I love y'all so much. You know the answer is always yes, if I can. <laughs> How to recover from a bad fight with your spouse. And maybe you're one of these people that says, we never fight. <laughs> but <Right>. let's be real. <laughs> you find common ground. And, and here's a way that a licensed marriage therapist says to go about it. You say something like, it sounds like you were really hurt that I didn't show up on time to the event. I would feel the same way. You know, I'm really going to prioritize. I know it's important to you for me to be on time, so I'm going to prioritize that mm -hmm. because I care about how you feel. Do you see yep. the diffusion and the calm that goes into that? Yeah. And and if I say it once before an argument, I probably say it three times because I want my wife to know I'm mad at the situation or the decision that we're having to make about something. I'm not mad at you. So if I'm venting, I'm going to go, you know, give me five minutes to let out all my emotions on this and then let's figure out what we're going to do together. So that's important because a lot of times you can say things and then it can be immediately absorbed as that. Well, you're mad at me like it's my fault. And then all the blame and all that. And then the fight becomes about something that it's not. And then you're like, wait a minute, how did this start? You know, and then you don't even remember how it even began. So just, you know, disclaimers are good. It, it helps make a difference in getting over it quickly. A <laughs> couple of other things to use humor. That's always great. It can snap you out of anything really. And try a physical connection. I know a lot of people are like, yeah, we just fought. I'm not, don't touch me. But for somebody who's, you know, into being physical, if it's, and I'm not talking about we go straight to, I'm talking about hand holding, just looking at each other, just a gentle, just some kind of touch yeah. reminds you of that connection that is uniquely yours. Yeah. And you could always do the Bill Ingvall where he says, argue naked. So that's between <laughs> you. Or at least the guy could be shirtless. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet, but they say, you know, it's what they say. He really says that. Yeah. He says, he goes, let's argue naked. And he goes, but he went to try it. And his, his wife's like, fine. No, you want to argue naked? And she was ready, fist, fully <laughs> naked. He's like, never mind, whatever. You know, and he goes back to his thing. He's like, you win. Oh, new things for us to try to figure out. Age bowl. You probably know what that is, Ace, because you're up on all these new technologies and, and the new language of the day. But it's I-J-B-O-L. Very simple. It just means I just burst out laughing. Apparently, LOL, which is laugh out loud, is not cool anymore. L-M-A-O, yeah. laugh my off, yeah. is not cool anymore. So now i got to remember... What is this? Age bowl. Really? Really? I've not had anybody use this on me, and I don't know that I would comfortably use it. I'm still an LOL guy. I guess that's the Gen Xer in me. But we have. We've exhausted both of those 
to the point of now we have to create new acronyms <laughs> just so that we know, oh, he's really laughing out loud, <laughs> you know, because LOL doesn't mean that they are. It's just like, oh, you're, you're cute, you know. That's that was that was a chuckle, you know, and it, it it's it's true. But I don't have time to remember all these acronyms. Like I can barely keep up with the ones my pastor comes up with. Well, and there's where I get into mom mode because when my daughter was texting with her friends in the car with me, which was a no no, I just envisioned in my head them using all these acronyms, and boy, I want to know what they all mean. You know, like your parent hovering. There's one for that. I don't remember what it is, but yeah. Let's just stop and have a cup of the Roxanne blend. Mm. Is there an acronym for that? <laughs> just just a big ah. And you know what's coming up before we know it? I mean, we're almost at fall. Yeah. And guess what? Christmas is almost here. And you've got somebody on that list that has everything. Just Go to mybrotherscup.com, click on the Raxan blend, send it to them, a beautiful coffee, and they're gorgeous mugs. And you don't have yeah. to have one with my name on it. They're beautiful mugs. You'd be proud to give anybody, and it sends missionaries around the world to yeah. proclaim the gospel. Yeah, it's pretty good. And it, it is. It is fall in a cup for sure. So when everyone else <laughs> is doing their PSLs, pumpkin spice latte for those that aren't hip, um, yeah. but uh, you can do this as well. Just go to roxanneandace.com and order yours today. A great reminder for us today from Hebrews 11.11, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. There's a lot in this scripture, but what I love about it and what we don't often focus on is that she judged him faithful. I think when we really want something and it's not happening on our timetable or the way we like it, we think, well, he's forgotten me or the answer is no, or what is going on or God is mad at me or what have I done? Instead of simply saying, you know what? My God is faithful. He's come through on his promises before and my God will do it again. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, when you think about those moments where you're like, well, God's not answering my prayer. Well, have you really let go? This is, this is my gut check. Did I really let go of the thing that I'm praying for so that he can do what he wants or needs to do? Or am I holding on to it kind of loosely? Okay, God deal with it. Oh, you didn't do it fast enough. I got this. I got this. No, I mean, let it go. Let him cut that soul tie to whatever it is or whoever it is that's holding you back so that you can completely trust him. Very, very important. All right. Imagine how terrifying it must have been for Taylor Swift, her Tribeca building. There it is. She's got all the security in the world. And guess who managed to get into her place? Allegedly. 43-year-old Ashley Arbor, who started out at a Greyhound bus from Atlanta, got, I don't know how he found out where Taylor was, mm -hmm. but he talked his way into the building, he talked his way into her hallway, and right when he was about trying to figure out a way to get through the door, an uninvited visitor saw him, made a call to New York City police, and boom, here's the quote. Are you ready for this? I mean, it's it's something else. I'm going to find it because, and there's the, there's the smiley face mm -hmm. of this guy. 
And he said, Taylor, I love you. I want to be with you forever. I know that we were meant to be. I would never harm you, but I am going to be your husband. Wow. Well, and as an artist, when songs are written, it's from their life perspective. They didn't write it for you, no matter how much you think that it did because you connect. And an artist wants their fans to connect with their music. But you could speak into this because you've had to deal with stalkers and moments where you didn't feel safe. I mean, I I cannot even begin to imagine what that feels like, not only just as a woman, but as a person to be violated in that way. Well, you know, I've never talked about this publicly, and it might be time not to go into gruesome details, but it might be time to address it, that I'm in the newsroom and I get a letter from a horrible person threatening my daughter's life and my life. Mm. And you have not lived until you're holding on to a letter describing what they're going to do to you and when they're going to do it. And then making a threat that if I don't do a certain thing, they're going to follow through. And oh, by the way, they know where she is. It, listen, the, the, and there was a big investigation. He wrote again. They never found that person. Now, why? Because they haven't been arrested. Because I got the DNA. Yeah. And it is a federal offense when you threaten someone through the U.S. mail. And if he's arrested and they have his DNA, we're going to meet in a courtroom. You cannot do that. And when you involve someone's child, there is an an element of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I'm not saying I'm all that special. I mean, many of the news anchors, we're in central Alabama, have been followed, have been called names, have been sent odd things in the mail. I mean, this is very common. But it's funny that I've never addressed it and publicly. And Ace, I was armed for a year. And it was hard to do that with a young child. And people, people that don't like guns would get all mad at me. But they thought this person was a pedophile and they thought they had him identified. And they couldn't protect me 24-7. Yeah. So I got a gun legally. I learned how to shoot it legally. And I carried, I was allowed to carry it to work. I mean, that's how crazy it was for a year. And at a year I said, I can't, I just can't keep doing this anymore. I'm looking out into crowds for this person that's been identified to me. And by the way, it wasn't the right person. Mm. How's that? Gosh. So I'm all armed, ready to get somebody. Mm -hmm. So not to go off and veer in a direction, but in a way it feels good to just, yeah, talk about it. And he's not the only one, this person. And they said he's probably got bored of me and has moved on to do that to other people, which is just terrible. But yeah, you don't know in this world anymore if someone will act on the threats that they make. That's what's so sad. I want to love everyone with Christian love and I want to forgive, Yep. but I also want to be alive and I want to grow old and I want my daughter to be okay. So yeah. what a, what a crazy situation. Yeah. And I'm glad Taylor Swift is okay, but it just lets you know, I mean, this man is fully convinced they were meant to be. Yeah. Wow. And he wow. appears in court in October and I don't know if they make her go to court for that. 
I would think because so. he would want that, yeah. right? I mean, I'm sure it would be with a safe distance and every bodyguard that the state of Michigan could potentially pull out or whatever state they, you know, anyway, it's just praying for the whole situation involved. It's crazy. But uh, I love as we end the show today is with the heart of a teenage boy as someone who has a teenage boy at home and his heart is always like, he'll cry when he's watching a video or a movie or something. And, and I love the idea of reaching out and seeing someone in need when they're being mistreated and knowing that you can do something about it. Well, this is his senior in high school, 18 years old in New Jersey. And he found out that one in five students between the ages of 12 and 18 report being bullied during the school year. That's 166,000 teenagers admit to skipping school due to bullying. Why? Because they're homeless or they're poverty stricken and cannot afford to wash their clothes. And they're humiliated, which is so upsetting. And they're humiliated by this. And so the student, Jimmy Tom Riddle, that's probably not how it's pronounced, but I'm taking a stab at it. Mm -hmm. said, you know what, I'm going to do something about this. And so he wrote, this is so cool, to all these laundry services. And finally, Whirlpool got involved. And they donated washing machines and dryers. And they had a drive to get laundry detergent and the things needed. And then the students with an app make an appointment to do their laundry. And it's private and it's free. How awesome is that? I love it. It kind of reminds me of like the backpack. I can't remember what organization it is, but they do the food in the backpacks. And you can't tell if the kid has food or if they have school supplies or what, but they do it very discreetly. So the kids don't go home for dinner or summer meals even sometimes so that it is done with an, an, an etiquette that helps them feel better that they're not being isolated out with the special bag or whatever, you know? So I love when people see the hearts of those that are hurting and they do something that is totally what would Jesus do? So uh, be like Tom Riddle. This is great. I love this. So as we wrap up, take it with you and uh, let it inspire you this week. Of course, share, like, follow, and tell others about the show so you don't miss future episodes. And we want to say thanks to my brother's cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group for making things possible. Roxanne, have a great weekend. I love you. Love you so much. Enjoy. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.